Uh, it feels so good to be feeling his presence. That's, it can never get old. It can never get old. It's been a rough week for me spiritually. Um, I know God is about to do something because I was constantly being reminded that those very front steps, I used to drink 40s and smoke cigarettes, and here I am today. So, so the enemy was working hard coming at me, but I just kept my focus on the king because the king is, is the king of glory. I mean, it's, I, it, to me, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense just to do what you do your will, Lord, do what you have to do. I wasn't born and raised in church, so I never heard or been to Sunday school. So t- today I'm trying to attempt the quickest Sunday school class in the history of church before I get into the sermon. Okay? <laughs> so please bear with me. I- I'm trying to equip and share what God has given me to you so you can also learn to defend yourself with God's word. Because we're living in apostate times, which God does not change. The culture, the traditions may change, but God does not change. So if you put up the books of the Bible, here's a little chart. The law, which a lot of people like cringe when they have to read it, but that's That's what God is. Those are the rules. That's his ways that we live in obedience. The history, the characteristic of what God has done for his people, and the wisdom that he shares with us. And we have all the prophets. And to me, Isaiah was just like a prequel to the Gospels. So that was God was giving us a sneak peek of what's to come. And even, even within there, God exposes who Satan is. So, you know, a lot of people forget that. You have, sometimes you have to go back to the old so we can understand the new. And to me, that's the whole Old Testament is just the Father. Then in the New Testament, which the Old Testament is, and Testament is, is, uh, is promises, promises of God. In the New Testament, the Gospels is Jesus. The church acts and the Paul letters and the general letters of prophecies is the Holy Spirit. See, even in the Bible represents the Holy Trinity. So right now we're living in the, whole, in the Holy Spirit part because we're being led by the Spirit. In the Old Testament, not everybody had that blessing. They had to be, you know, filled with God's Spirit for that moment and that purpose. That's why the prophets were led the way they were led because and people looked at them like they were crazy because... They were being led by God himself. All scripture is God breath and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. There's 66 books in the Bible. There are two covenants, promises, the old and the new. The Old Testament tells us how to show the characteristics of God, the Father, his love, his mercy, and compassion, but also his jealousy and wrath. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, and Jesus was also present throughout the whole Testament. The Trinity, again, from Genesis 1-1 at the beginning, which also in John 1-1 supports this. In the beginning, God was, was word, word was God. 
Jesus appeared to Hagar and the angel of the Lord in Genesis 16, 17, 12, and 21 and 17, displaying grace and stopping Abraham from sacrificing his son. Jacob wrestles with Jesus in Genesis 32, 22 through 32, and appears to Moses in the burning bush, Exodus 3, 2. So many other times, the Old Testament shows us how God took care of his people, displaying his love for them, protecting them, guiding them, feeding them, and providing for them. Walking 40 years in the desert, and not even the sole of the sandals wore off. Man, forget, this is for you sneaker heads. Forget about the Air Force ones. I want some Jerusalem ones. Okay? Because seriously, the sandals, I mean, if you compare to what they were, they were all handmade, not compared to what we got today, they did not wear off. God fed them with bread of manna. And when they complained about them, God gave them meat. He gave them birds where they're like impossible to catch. <laughs> Think about that. You know what I mean? So it's just like, and, and sometimes we, just like they did, complain. Yeah, our, <laughs> see, God called us to live and uh, have life abundantly, right? But his measuring stick ain't the same measuring stick of the world. He provides for us. Yeah, like mine. It, it might not be Armani shirt, but it's a shirt. I'm clothed. You know, I, my shoes, they might not be Stacy Adams or whatever the, the, the name is now, but I got shoes. They protect my feet when I walk out in these dirty streets, you know? So that, yeah, that's God. You know what I mean? We can't compare ourselves to the world because we're not of the world. Pastor who hit it, and his exclamation mark of, the, of the, his sermon was that story of that missionary. Man, I was rejoicing. I was coming home from New York listening to that. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, we're not of this world. Why should we be worrying about what the world thinks of us? We're not part of them. We're supposed to stand out for God and draw them to us, not us blend them with them and mingle with them. Like, no, nah, that ain't, that ain't, that's not what it's about. In the New Testament, we have the Gospels, Jesus, Acts, church history, the letters, which I saw in the letter. And it's just like that itself, how can we deny the Trinity when the Trinity is so clearly in the Bible? Like, it's just, I just be in awe of how, when, when I get into his word, like, it, it's just like, man, this is, like, in the beginning when the prophets and the apostles and the disciples, they didn't have a Bible. They were living it. Little did they know that when things were being written, that it was for us. And look at the times now that they were writing things in the book that words weren't even invented yet. So they broke it down as little as possible for, us, for them to understand, but for us to interpret it in, in, in the context of what it was written for. For the word of God is alive, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. Don't play church with God's word. Because when you yield that sword, you will get cut. And it will expose you. God don't, God don't play that in those games. You got to understand, Satan knows the Bible better than any one of us in any theologian alive. 
and he still had the audacity to stand before Jesus on the 40th day after his fasting, thinking that he got the upper hand on Jesus because after 40 days, Jesus is weak. He's thirsty. This is where I'm going to get him at. And Jesus was like, man, get behind me, man. What are you thinking? Who do you think you're coming at? He hit him with the word. So if you think that he, if, if Satan had the audacity to do that to Jesus, who is the word, what would you think he's going to come at us with? You know, we're just gullible sheep. Satan deceived one-third of the angels. Do you, can you comprehend that? The angels who saw and worshipped God, and yet they teamed up with Satan thinking they would overthrow God. And who are we to think that we know it all? Nah, you know, this is not a game. I'm going to give you two, two things. I'm wrapping up with the Sunday school part. There's two ways to interpret the word exegesis, meaning to bring out the meaning of the text as it was intended by the original author. It is an exposition and explanation of the text based on careful, objective analysis. Eisegesis means to bring in the interpreter's own ideas or meanings into the text, making it mean whatever he wants. The easiest way to differentiate and remember these two is, I see Jesus has I in it, okay? I is all about self. I is a, is a narcissistic mind frame. It's all about me. So that's the easiest way to remember the, and different, and those two. But, but gratefully, John 26 tells us, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things I said to you. Man, we have the Holy Spirit, y'all. He's our teacher. Well, there's nothing more that we can ask for. But how can we expect the Holy Spirit to teach us and you can't remember if you don't read it and study it. The only way the Holy Spirit could teach you and remind you of his word is by reading it. Why it's called the bread of life. The water that thirsts, you know what I mean, that quenches all thirst. Gatorade, what? <laughs> nah, I got the holy water, yo, you know what I mean? <laughs> so 2 Timothy says, 2.15, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. Doctrine matters. Amen. So that was Sunday school. I hope that was the quickest uh, Sunday school uh, thing I ever attempted. All right, um. The name of the sermon message is called Unchangeable. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's insane how today's culture wants to go back in time and reset and erase history. Let's be honest and real. Who runs this world? Satan. Satan's been trying to distinguish the word of God since its existence. He came at the disciples. 
he came at Jesus on the 40th days, he knew that he could not, he, he knew that he couldn't destroy it. So what he did, he, after he made all his religions and everything, he counterfeited the church. That's the only way. He said, I can't, I can't make it disappear while well, I'm going to make a copy of it and make it my way. That's why the Lord said it's to our advantage that he must go and give us the Holy Spirit. God equipped us with this. We can't be naive and think that everyone that comes and calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. Because the Bible clearly tells us that he has his ministers, Satan, in the, in the church. Paul had a fight against it. You know, it's, 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 just, it's, just, it's amazing how God works. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, among them, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. Hopefully by the end of this message, I equip you guys, the church, to recognize the schemes of the enemy. Jesus mentioned hell before heaven. He opened up his ministry by saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, let's dig deeper into the word repent. Repentance is called for throughout the Bible. It summons to a personal, absolute, ultimate, unconditional surrender to God as sovereign. Though it includes sorrow and regret, it's more than that. In repenting, one makes complete change of direction. 180 degree turn towards God. For if not, if you're not born again and abided in Christ, you won't see heaven. It's in the book, y'all. If we if God, if Jesus said repent, and that means if we have to turn around, what are we walking towards? We're walking towards hell. But here comes Jesus, and he said, repent. If you turn around, the kingdom of God is here for you. Repent is a hard thing to do, but, when, when, but once you get that opportunity that God gives you, and he gives you it multiple times, for me, I've been running from God for a long time, a very long time. I was, he was calling me since a child, and in 1992, I just surrendered. In 1992, it was a traumatic time in my life that I was rock bottom out. But God still in his mercy and his grace gave me an opportunity to accept his grace and his salvation. And along the way, I grew and matured in Christ. Then I fell again. But when I fell again, I also fell again for a long time. But God still was there for me. He still protected me even in my wretchedness. In my wretchedness, when you... when I, I, that's why I believe that I'm called for something for him, for him because I'm standing here today and I still can't believe it. I wake up every day and I say, Lord, are you serious? Like, but as I remember the moments I had in my life when the guns were in my face, when I was blacked out drunk and got home and don't remember how I got home. You know, the Lord confirmed through me through messages that it was angels always around me and protecting me. Because I, I can't explain it. How am I 
blackout drunk driving. I didn't kill nobody. I didn't get killed. But I got home safe with a massive hangover regretting what I did the night before. And still felt empty. Still felt lost. Thinking I was good, but I was just fooling myself. I was just putting a band-aid over my, my, my sinness and thinking I was all right. Now I have a question for you. Do you have an STD? Do you have spiritual transmitted deception in you? Do you have an STD? Spiritual transmitted deception. Don't you know that just because you're a Christian that you can still be deceived? Again, Satan can see, you know, convince one third of the angels to side up to, with him to try to overthrow God. God, the very being that created them. They saw God, and they still betrayed God. I can't stress enough to you, we're just gullible sheep. If you think that you know it all, man, you're, just, you're, just, you're, you're, you're in where Satan wants you to be. Because he got you. You know, in Matthew 24, after, after Jesus was preaching, he got, you know, they were all gathered together, chit-chatting and everything. And the disciples asked him, what are the signs of the times? Jesus didn't jump to it and tell them all these signs. The first thing that he said to them is, don't be deceived. Now, why would he tell the disciples that walking with Jesus, the son of God, Don't be deceived, because we can. We can be deceived. Peter, after he denied Jesus three times, after he was hoorah, gung-ho for Jesus, they even cut out someone's ear protecting Jesus, denied Jesus three times. And even after, you know, the, the maturity of Peter is incredible, because after he was restored by Jesus three times, the same amount of time he denied Jesus. He matured in the process because in the book of Acts, him and John was just like straight gone home, ready to go to the temple. And like ignoring that the guy was reaching out, asking for something that John probably like, yo, this guy needs our help. And he's like, All right, you know, he grabbed Peter's attention because Peter was so focused to go to the temple to preach that he was no longer afraid of the Pharisees or the authorities. Because after he preached, they, they, they locked him up and they said, yo, you can't, you can't speak that name no more. But he said, I don't fear you. I fear God. But remember, this is the same Peter that feared men, could deny Jesus three times. You know, the whole thing was flipped. He matured and said, nah, you know, you, nah, you're crazy, man. Jesus is the real deal. You know? And then when Paul came on this scene, he had to check Peter. So you understand what I'm saying? The maturity of Peter in the scriptures is amazing because that, that's us. That's us. You know, we have, to, we have to feed off his word and grow. What foundations are your beliefs built on? Sand or the rock? Because Jesus said, whoever hears my sayings and does them is wise because he built on the rock. 
The same goes for those that build in the, house, in the sand. The storms came and the, and the fall was great. See, when we build our beliefs and we know who we serve and we, and we stand still on that rock, the storms of life will come and hit us and beat us up, but we're still standing firm because we know we're not going to be drifting side to side like a tumblebee, like a tumbleweed blows wherever the wind blows. That's unstable. So, and if, if you know the truth, but you don't stay in the truth, it's the same thing as building a house on the sand. Because when your problem comes and it falls, oh, you're going to go out to the next one to see who else can help you, knowing that you already know the truth. Why should we look for anything else? He's real. He's, that's why it's called a rock. I, I'm in the construction thing. I, 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 I'm the one that carries the rock from one here to the other side of the city or whatever. Man, rocks are heavy. <laughs> and they beat up the trucks like crazy. You, I look in the bed, you see all these dents and all that, and I'm like, man, especially when their machine is picking it up and just dropping it in there. I look out there and they're like, yo, be easy a little bit. Because there's some that place it and you don't even feel it. But you got some that with the excavator operators, it's just boom. You know, so it's like a rock could beat up a machine. So imagine if you put the foundation on a rock. It ain't going anywhere. Doctrine matters. Romans 12, 2 tells us, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Colossians 3, 9 through 10, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. See, the renewing in your mind transforms your behavior. It's not backwards. It's what you know that transforms. We always have this thing that, oh, I can do it. The world tells you, man, you got that willpower in you. Just release it. Please. That's why when a person tries to quit smoking, a week later, they're back to smoking. That's why when an alcoholic goes to AA meetings, he's good for a week, and he's back at it again. See, I can say that because I used to smoke. And, I, and when that time came for me and I got tired of that, I said, Lord, I know you can get rid of this for me. I went cold turkey and walked away. For, I threw a half a pack of cigarettes away. That's because when the Lord said, I can do all things that he strengthens me to do. That's the context of the scripture there. It's not I can do all things to, 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 to win a sport or whatever, but that's okay. You know what I mean? If, you, if that's what you believe, that's, you know, that's what you want to do, that's what you do. But it's those moments that I quit smoking because I'm the temple of God. I stopped drinking because I know I just can't have one beer. I, used to, I, I mean, I was a corona dude. I was always having coronas in my hand all the time. And I said, nah, I can't. I just can't have one beer. I drank to get drunk. Come on, who drinks just for the flavor of the beer? Why do you think they got all these flavors of beer for? To make it taste good. It ain't because it naturally tastes good. Because we all love the side effects of beer. It, 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 it numbs the pain. It gives us that, we leave that, that, that reality for a little bit. But at the same time, it's killing your liver. It's beating up your body. 
And even to the point that you're spending all this money that we should be paying for your bills or providing for your family, but you want to drink it all away. God sets us free from that. So when you think you can do it on your own, yeah, you would do it for the first couple of months, weeks, or days, whatever. But I guarantee you, you will go back to it one way or the other. Because when life smacks you up or a person brings you down, oh, man, I just want beer or one shot or a cigarette to calm my nerves down. We have peace with the Lord. Your beliefs determine your behavior. Rodney Tilly. Whatever you believe, your behavior will reflect it. So if you're flip-flopping, your belief is not stable. Which gospel do you believe and follow? The organic one? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the die-to-self gospel? Or the GMO? The gospel-modified organizations? Do you follow that one? The GMO version is a counterfeited universal Jesus. All love, no repentance, no judgment. They're trying to promote this Jesus like he's the, what's that gym called? Uh, Planet Fitness, no judgment zone. You know, they fail to realize he's a God of a consuming fire. He is a holy God. Moses had to take his sandals off even to be in his presence. Moses. Some say, yeah, he was just a man. No, he was a God-fearing man. Isaiah, and he wanted to flee his presence because he felt his sinfulness on him was like too much for him. But the angel had to put it, you know, had to put a coldness, and he said, you're good, you're, you're all right, just relax. You know what I mean? Even the angels was covering their faces because they're singing holy, holy to the Lord. Paul, who was Saul at the moment, at the time, fell off his horse and said, is that you, Lord? Paul was a straight-up fanatic of God, but he went about it the wrong way. He thought he was protecting his faith, but he didn't know about the New Testament. You know what I mean? So if he even recognized who God was, his presence is undeniable. Even, even the, the demons, when Jesus came off the boat, and that one that was with, with the thousands of demons, they came to him. Are you the son of God? You know, don't, don't you come to torment us and all? Because they already know where their destiny is. They already told Jesus, I'm, is it that time? Is that time yet? And Jesus was like, shut up. Because he didn't want, you know what I mean? He just told him to shut up. Because God didn't entertain the nonsense. He didn't entertain the demons. Like, it reminds me of the sons of Skeva. These two, these sons, they thought they were cool because they were, they were living off the reputation of their dad. Who the dad, it was the high priest. So they went about and saw, you know, they went to try to cast out this demon. And the demon was like, who are you? Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. But who are you? And beat them up. But not only beat them up, but humiliated them like strip them off their clothes, run naked. That's like back then, it's just like the ultimate shame. 
Just because you think you know of Jesus or your parents is serving Jesus, it's not going to save you. In the Bible, there's nowhere in the Bible that God has grandchildren. We're all sons and daughters of God. So you're not going to be saved through the, through the coats of, you know, the tails coats of your parents or your brother, your sister. He calling you. The GMO preaches that we could have the best of both worlds. James 4, 4 says, adulterers and adulterers, don't you know that friendship with the world is the enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. How can we be the light and shine in the world when we're trying to mingle, go to the clubs, fornicate, smoke weed here and there, drink? That's like we're the light and putting a dirty lampshade on us. So we could blend in with the world. When we're called to, to shine on, on the hill and to shine to the world, we're called to stand out. We're not called to blend in. If we're the salt, you know how you eat food and you feel like, eh, it just tastes nice, you know, it just tastes bland. Like, when you go to, like, like, for me, when I go to Applebee's and I eat rice, it's not Goya rice. It's not, it's not my rice like my wife or my mother or my mother-in-law makes. It's just like, then you add salt. It makes it a little better. But at least the salt gives us flavor. That's who we're supposed to be. We're the one that gives flavor to this dead world. These people are hungry. They're searching. Why do you think they're always calling astrologies? Why do you think they're always reading horoscopes? They're looking for God. So how can we be the light and the salt when we also trying to see what the horoscope say today? Like when I see a, when I, a, a Christian saying that, especially posting on Facebook, I'm like, what? Don't they get it? They want to flirt with the devil, but also want to be like, I'm still with God. You know, I just... God, I need to time out a little bit. Yeah, what's up, yo? You know, you know, dressed like, you know, like, nah, it, it, like with that um, T-Mobile, that's not how it works. You know, remember the old ladies? That's not just how it works. You know, it's, it's like this this, this thing saying, oh, Jesus is my homie. He's my ace. You know, like, like, he, like treating him like he's from the corner and stuff like that. It's just like, nah, I'm, I'm, for me personally, you know, I, yeah, when I hear that Jesus, he's my friend, he's approachable as a friend. But it's not to maintain that he's still my friend. He's my master. He's my king. He's my lord. That's what the Bible addresses him. When they say that he come, he, he's saying that he addresses us as friends because we, we don't want to be like, oh, we, we don't want that. But once you get to know him, man, he's not my friend. He's my Lord, my God, my everything. How, when, you know, I, my, the thing is, when every person, especially John, the beloved John, who held, he put his 
hit on Jesus' chest like the same way my boys do. When he saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, he dropped to his knees. He didn't ran to God and hug them, Jesus. He dropped to his knees because God's glory is so powerful that John walked with Jesus, but when he saw him in heaven, he just fell and dropped to his face. What makes you think that we could think that way of Jesus? Jesus is, is, is the ultimate. Man, like, I, for me, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. He, for me, man, Jesus died for me, you know. This man came knowing, knowing who was going to reject him. Knowing who was going to blaspheme and curse him out. They ripped his beard off his face. And he still was like, and you think he would release the angels and come down and destroy that? Wipe the whole thing, planet off the earth? No, but he still did it. And to me, it's just like, as I've researched the history of Romans, how they torture people, they were like, man, they were like, they were like uh, army guys that were just like, they had the perfected way of torturing people and killing people. To me, at that moment, yeah, they had whips and everything because they did torture people. But what they did to Jesus, I think that the demons had their moment and took advantage of that opportunity and went to the extreme to even mock Jesus, punch Jesus. And Jesus stood and took it all. He took it all for me. He took it all for you. And to take this as a joke, me personally, I can't. Because it's just uncomprehendable of the pain he went through. And he still was the last one to die. The thieves next to him died before him, and he still was there. And he made sure he lived the will for the Father. 2 Corinthians 2.11, no, I'm sorry. Would you marry a bride if you knew the altar, she would cheat on you every day? Jesus did. Quote by Jersey Wilson. We can show you the picture. See that picture there? Imagine this is what I see. She's the church of Christ. And when she want to flirt with the world and be part of the world, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like for me. The GMO version is a self-centered gospel. Who is the author of this version? Let's go to it. Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the gods assembly. In the remote parts of the north, I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's Satan. And don't you think that he did that on the, on, the, on the garden 
when he told Eve that you will be like God? He put doubt in her saying, did God really say that? Because listen, you will be like God. That's called Gnosticism, y'all. Who are we to, de- to demand God? This, this thing that says, uh, I name it, I claim it, I declare it. That's heresy. Who are we to tell God what to do? He ain't no genie in a bottle. He's not that blue genie in Adeline. Adeline, whatever. <laughs> and this is one of Pastor's mom's favorite scriptures, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That destroys that, that, that logic of thinking. If you're not seeking his, his righteousness... We're demanding God to give us a car. We're demanding God to give us a promotion. We're demanding God on our claiming and I declare it. The only thing that declare is I declare what the Lord says, what the Lord says in the Bible. That's the only thing we should be declaring. That he is the son of God, that he came and died for us so we can have salvation. How is it that we protect our phones more than we protect our hearts? Seriously, like, my phone, yeah, I bought, like, there's no way I'm spending over $100 for the case. So I researched and I bought $50, you know, but why is it that we go all out to protect the phone, but we feed our hearts all this nonsense on on, on social media, TV? Man, I used to love watching Walking Dead until the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, I'm not in that. I'm not in that. And man, I used to love it. I used to love it. I used to cheer for it when they cut him in half and all that. I was like, like I was cheering on it like it was a football game, y'all. I was rooting for death. I was like, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit one day just slapped me inside the head. I'm not in that. Why is you watching that? See, when we watch stuff like that, we corrupt our minds. We, 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 we pollute our minds because for me, when I'm praying, I'm trying to pray, all those images are flashed back into my mind, trying to disconnect me from God. With the music, the music, it, it just, like when I used to listen to, to, to hip-hop and, and rock, man, and I used to get hype, I used to want to punch somebody in the face because the music got me like that. You know what I mean? Like, you get all hype listening to Public Enemy, and I'll be like, man... I'm going to punch you in your face, like, you know what I mean? Like, NWA, you know, being all disrespectful to the authorities, to the women and all that. It's that influence. And who, and who was the lead worship in heaven? Satan. So don't you think that all that is connected? So don't get me wrong, man. I used to love listening to that music. And some of the music today is... Uh, Lyrically, porn. Okay, how are they embracing, basically, I can't even say half naked because most, most of them are naked now, women, but they want to come at Sesame Place. That don't make no sense. 
They want to come at cartoons. But at the same time, they want to praise a stripper and say, oh, she's such a, her art is awesome. Her art? That's straight up porn. How's that art? You know how many men she's causing to stumble? You know how many men she's causing to commit adultery? They might not be physically doing it, but in their mind, boy, they, they, they having a field day with her. And Jesus said, yo, just because you don't do it physically, it's in your heart. So just because you don't do it, but you entertain that thought, you did it. Plain and simple. Philip Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it's the source of life. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't worry about anything but everything through prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2, 11 tells us that we should not be taken advantage by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. But if you're not reading and studying the word, how can you recognize the schemes? Some people claim to know God, but live like he doesn't exist. Ephesians 6.11, we must put on the armor of God has given us so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. The helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the shoes, the sword, the shield. I'm all covered, right? But what's behind me? I'm exposed. I'm exposed from behind. Why is that? Because there's no retreat. There's no surrender. You got to keep pressing forward. As soon as you turn around, got you. So stand your ground, church. <laughs> See, listen, you said, I remember one time you said that there was, uh, the pastor said that uh, Marines is not a Bible because the Lord says armies. Listen, I, I defer that, okay? David had his men in the cave, right? <laughs> They could have been army rangers. I know that's army, but you follow me here. Joshua had the guys that, you know, they had to go over the waters. Those are the Navy SEALs. <laughs> and Gideon, Gideon, I keep telling you this, that's the Marines. He started out with over 100,000 or whatever. It was over thousands, but ended up with 300. The few, the proud, the Marines. All right, so the... Don't get discouraged, Pastor. You know what I mean? The, the Lord has his branches, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, there has to be a balance. We have to maintain our stance in the Lord. The lukewarmers will call you legalistic. The, relig the religiositors will say you're lost. You have to maintain your balance. Stay focused on Jesus. He will take care of everything. He will guide you. He will teach you. But you have to submit to his word. You have to. There's no other way around it. There's no shortcuts. You have to. You got to understand this. The Israelites, it was a four-day journey. They could have got to the promised land in four days, y'all, or five, or four or five, a week, a week, the most. 
40 years because they wanted to do it their way. 40 years. Even to the point that Moses led them, right? But that one moment he slipped and struck that rock in anger, God was like, whoa, what's wrong with you? He still rebelled. God didn't let him see the promised land, but he still made his destiny. And that, when the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses was there. He didn't enter the promised land, but he still was where he was destined to be. It's up to us to get to that from A to B, God's way, not our way. For me, I, I take that personally and hold it dear to my heart because God was calling me, but I just kept running. I kept running, and I took a long way, just like the Israelites, that which led me to prison, which I'm grateful for that because I'd rather have the prison time than go to hell. So that was over, wow, next year will be 30 years ago. I did nine years. And it's not something that I'm proud of, I'm very ashamed of, but God said, that's for my glory. That's for my glory. I guess I was Jonah. <laughs> you know, and the prison was my whale. God preserved me there. So I'm grateful for that. The world to say, well, you're your ex-convict and everything. That's cool. Jesus got me. So, you know, you can call me whatever you want. I know, what God, I know what God has in store for me that you guys can never, ever give me. There's no retreat. There's no surrender. The gates of hell will not prevail. The Lord has conquered death, conquered hell. What are we afraid of? Why are we so fearful now? Don't you understand that fear motivates us to violate our own morals? Fear motivates us to violate our own morals. Fear is paralyzing if you submit to it. I refuse to because I know who I serve. I know who I serve and what he has delivered me from and got me out of from. <laughs> I just, I have no words just to just submit myself to his ways. I may look crazy to others, but hey, I just want to please him. I just want to bring a smile to him. So when that glorious day come, he says, come my faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. I don't care if they like this dude is Jesus freak. He's He's crazy, even a heretic or whatever. I know I'm abiding in Christ. Read John 15, the whole chapter, abide, 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 abide. The key word is abide. You have to maintain yourself in him. We're no, it's just, I, me, I will never, ever think that I'll be here today preaching. When I was drinking 40s, smoking cigarettes on those very steps. If someone would have told me, like, came back in time and said, yo, you know, you're going to be in there preaching one day, right? Like, yeah, all right. <laughs> what you smoking? Like, can I get some? Second <laughs> Timothy, again, I, I, this is one of my favorites, okay? 
2 Timothy 2, 15 to 16, work hard so you can present yourself to God to receive his approval. Not approval of a pastor, not approval of a, a deacon, not approval of a teacher, not approval of, of the board, not approval of your brother and sister, the approval of God. We are all his vessels. Erica even mentioned that, and I was like, yeah, the message is right. Because we all have a part. We all have a gift. Perfect yourself in that gift that God has given you because it's for a purpose. Don't be scared. Don't let that hold you back. Because you go to work every day chasing that money. Chase your gift. And 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 because God gave you that gift. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection had already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. That's scripture, y'all. That's Peter saying, I mean, that's Paul saying to Timothy that he called these two guys out. Because they departed from the truth and are ruining the faith of some. We must be extremely discernible who we endorse and promote. Doctrine matters. God has no favorites. That's another thing that I hear all the time. God has favor over me. God will show you favor. Romans 2.11, for there is no favoritism with God. Peter found that out the hard way. We had to go visit Cornelius. He had a teachable moment there. In Acts 10.34, he said, now I truly understand God that doesn't, have, doesn't show favoritism. Because Peter thought he was that high and mighty dude. Like, nah, he's a Gentile. I can't go over there. God, he had another teachable moment. God will not favor me over you, but do things in our favor. Romans 8.28, we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. My testimony will encourage another brother's testimony. Her testimony will encourage another sister's testimony. We're supposed to lift each other up and keep it moving. It doesn't matter how long we've been in church. Some were born and raised in church. Some just walked right in. The mission and destiny is the same. Erica touched on that. So I knew I was coming correct. Are we drawing them closer to God or are we pushing them away? There's five crowns that will be rewarded on judgment seat of Christ. And I'm sorry to break it to you, but there's no crown of seniority. Remember the parables of the, of the, of the, of the nah, I have to go to the book to show you this because this is deep. When God showed me this, I was like, wow. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm near, guys. I'm near to the end, so 
And I... Matthew 21 through 16, bear with me. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing in idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and, sh- and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found the others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to the steward, call the laborers and give them their wages beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. When they first came, they supposed that they would receive more than likewise receive each denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, the last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. He answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you wrong. I am doing you no wrong. Do you not agree with me for denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish you to this last man the same as to you. It is not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things. Or is it your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, when, now, listen to this carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 9 through 15. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fields. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise man, wise Master builder, I have laid the foundations and another builds on it. Let each one take heed, he builds on it. For no other foundation can one lay on it which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, and each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. The day is the day of the Lord. Will declare it because he will be revealed by fire and test each one's work of what his sort is. If anyone work is has built on it indoors, he will receive a reward. If anyone work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved as it through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit dwells in you? All right. The work is is the I'm trying to explain this because when I when he, when the Lord showed me, it's like it doesn't matter how long you serve Him, at the end the rewards are still the same. Okay, for a person that was serving the Lord, I'm gonna use this example. They've been there the longest. For the one that was complaining that the guy got the same thing that he got, but he'd been here longer. Okay, on that day, when you're thinking that you know you served long the Lord the longest, that your crown will be will bear all these rubies and all this, you know, be, be blinged out, okay? 
But that one brother that was serving for maybe a year comes and his crown is blinked out even more than the one that was there for, for 30 or four, whatever the case may be. So you understand it doesn't matter how long. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> one person could be serving the Lord for 30 years and his crown could have only one ruby. Or one pearl, whatever, or just have just a gold crown. But that one brother that, that serves for a year can have more than that person that was serving the, the most. You get what I'm saying here? We don't know who walks in through that door. That person could be the next worship leader. That person could be the next teacher. That person could be the, a, a pastor that's going to be born and raised here, but go somewhere else. They could be an ex-missionary. Who are we to think that they, they're not called? We're different from the world. Don't you think that if they would have stopped aborting babies, they could have found the cure for cancer? Don't you think if they would have stopped aborting babies, there would have been, I mean, all these other things could have been happening for the better of the world. But No. We're opposite of the world. We're supposed to embrace everyone that walks in through that door because you don't know who he or she is. Supposed to water them, nurture them, embrace them. You know, this is, this is not no uh, popularity contest here. Now, in closing, this is the reaction and response. The context of this I want to share with you here is this. This is what the, the, um, the people of Israel gave Joshua, and he reminded them what God has done for them. And Joshua was like, do whatever you want. I'm done with you guys. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay? And this is the reaction the people gave to Joshua. In Joshua 24, 16 through 21. I'm sorry it's a lot of scriptures, but listen, it's the core, it's the context. I'm not just going to take one scripture and then... Whatever, go from there. It has to be in the context. The people replied, we certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our ancestors out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us along the way we went and among the people to land we traveled through. The Lord drove out, before, drove out the people before us, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord because he is our God. But Joshua told the people, you will not be able to worship the Lord because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and sins if you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods. He will turn against you, harm and completely destroy you after he has been good to you. The people answered Joshua, we will worship the Lord. The choice is yours. God does not send anyone to hell. He just honors your choice. Choose who this day who you will serve. Because time is running out. Time is running out. I know the old school's. The, the, the elders that were born, you know, that were serving the Lord for years, kept hearing about Jesus coming, Jesus coming. We're living in those times right now. 
how to me it's like people's like, oh, it's doom and gloom. No, how beautiful it is that we might be able to see that glorious day when that sky cracks open and he calls us home. Man, we're blessed to live in these times. Because even in, in the, in the, when the New Testament was being written, they thought that day was coming soon too. But our time is not measured with God's time. A lot of things still need to be happening. But just like the five virgins, we have to be ready. The, five, the other five knew. The other five knew him. But they still wanted to be part of the world. They still wanted to live that part of their life in the world. But when he came and they saw, they came on knocking, but they couldn't get in. Like that song, you keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Church, we're, we, the advantage, we have that advantage. We have the Holy Spirit. The Lord said it's to our advantage that he blesses with the Holy Spirit. So in closing, depend on the Holy Spirit. Read his word, and he will show you things that your jaw will drop. And for those that don't know Christ, you're missing out. You think you're living that party life now, you're missing out on the grand party. Because that, when we, we, that banquet, that table, we're going to be eating good. <laughs>